We do have some visitors with us today, though, and I want to introduce them just so that you know they're here because one of our jobs here that we're going to be talking about today is connecting with people. And so you may want to try to find these uh, people that are visiting and introduce yourself to them. That would be helpful. That's what we're going to be doing. So, Matt, can you raise your hand up here? This is Matt Nye. And Matt, where are you visiting from? Huh? Centerport. All right, and are you visiting countryside or are you just visiting the class? I'm visiting countryside. Okay, good. Have you met? That's right. That's what Nadella and Diego somehow have this attraction to bring people in. So, from all over, I've often heard some of the staff say they know everyone, so that's helpful. And then we have David, David Dorenzo, right? And David's, uh, he's been coming to Countryside for a couple of months now, and he's joining us today. So, you know, you might uh, reach out to these guys. And then Chadley, Chadley's back here next to Les. Um, Chadley, where are you from? All right. So, are you just here for the weekend, or are you here for longer than that? He doesn't know. That's a man with easy plans. I don't know. I may be here forever. All right. Well, y'all look for him. Um, anyone else visiting that I might have missed? Okay, great. All right, well, so Charlie was going to teach today, but Charlie texted me yesterday morning and said he has no voice. So we'll, we'll keep Charlie in our prayers. Mike is in uh, speaking engagement this weekend, so y'all might remember Mike in your prayers as well. Um, so where we are today in our study is we're on lesson four, okay? Now, here's, here's where we're going in the next couple of weeks. So you're almost, I mean, lesson four, we're at the halfway point, right? So, um, you know, you're beginning to get some of this homework done and get these verses more polished and memorized. Uh, next week, we're going off-grid, Next week, you'll find no chapters in your book that say evangelizing Catholics. So you know why we do that? Because we have Mike Gendron here, and um, he's a great resource. He has a, his ministry is called progospel.org, and his ministry is to evangelizing Catholics. So every time we do the evangelism class, we give Mike one class uh, to help train us to just evangelize Catholics. So... And then discipleship, I, I moved that up. It's, I think it's last in your book because that will be the last time I get to be with you. And I really like doing discipleship. Um, you know, I was uh, speaking with John here about, you know, what, is, what are we called to do as far as the Great Commission? Are we called to share the gospel? We are, but we're called to make disciples. So... Um, evangelism is the first step in that process, but it's not the only step in that process. So we'll talk about discipleship. And then the last one are for guidelines for handling questions and objections, and then child and workplace evangelism. So that's where we're going. Our study theme verse today is from Colossians 1.28. Um, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. 
Today's theme, great verse. First um, Peter 3.15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, sometimes being ready. No. It says always, always being ready. How are you always going to be ready? You're always going to be ready if you have the Word of God stored up in your heart. So you're always to be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. You know, I don't know if you think about this like I do. Why would anybody ask you to give a defense for the hope that's within you? The hope that's within you is the Christian faith, right? But why would anybody ask you? They see Christ in your life. You're different some way than the world around you. And if we're not, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of people that ask you that question. Uh, but that's part of living the Christian life um, is that we come in contact with unbelievers who don't have the same steadfast, the same foundation, the same um, anchor uh, that we have when times are turbulent. Uh, so does that mean that Christians avoid all turbulent times in their lives? No. No, matter of fact, God brings those turbulent times. Have you read the book of Job? You know, we are trophies of God's grace, and we shine the most when we're in the most difficult circumstances. How are you going to respond? Because there's, you're surrounded by people that are observing your life. So, um, yeah, that's, that's this verse. But sanctify Christ as Lord, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. But it has this caveat at the end. Yet how? Yet with great anger and frustration? No. I mean... Isn't this kind of your heart anyway? Don't you really want to share the gospel with people that um, have an interest, that are listening? I mean, we're going to get into this in our lesson today, but our, our, our um, command is to share the gospel with gentleness and with reverence. And if you can keep that kind of mindset, attitude within your soul, you'll be much better prepared for opposition. Because the gospel's what? It's an offense. Yeah, it's offensive. So there are going to be times when people respond. And, and like I say, we, that's our lesson today. And we just need to be prepared for that. The way we're prepared for that is by having a mindset of gentleness and with reverence. And, uh, you know, I think that's um, where our heart is anyway. We're a gentle people, right? Uh, by nature of being in Christ. So it's helpful to understand that that's our, our mandate through these verses. But let's pray and then we'll look at chapter 4. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that we can be in your house on this day that you have set aside that we might worship you. And that's our desire this morning, that we come to worship you, Father, that we come to learn your word and apply it into our lives 
in such a way that, uh, Father, we live it, and you are pleased. That as we obey you, you are glorified. Lord, as we are your ambassadors, you are honored through our life. That's our heart's desire. Lord, help today to be an encouragement to that endeavor. Help today to be a motivation. Um, Help today to be instruction that better prepares and equips us for the work that you've given us to do. Father, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so there's a couple of people that I'm not sure I got. Is that Alba and Terry Yang back here? Okay. Yes, got you guys. And over here, you guys are the Flints. That's right. I got y'all last week. Right? Micah and Francesca. Was there someone else? Not y'all. Okay. Manuel and Bailey. Bailey Gill, right? So I think I've got everyone else. All right, I don't like to miss anyone on the roll, you know, because we keep close track of all of you, where you are. No, it just helps me kind of know that who's got all these lessons. Because, you know, when you have a well-equipped church body that can go out like an army and share the gospel, that's a great thing. But how do we start this process, okay? So I'm going to blow through this, this uh, review real quick. So our mission is uh, to evangelize to glorify God. God's ultimate purpose in everything is to glorify himself. Salvation accomplishes God's mission to bring himself glory. Evangelism exists because worship does not. The mission needs to be in our minds. We just want to maintain that mindset. The motivation has to be from our love for God. Nothing else can ever replace that. I mean, guilt doesn't work. You know, the, the thing that's got to be your motivation is that you've really got to have a desire to please God because you love God. And if we love God, we'll obey him. Love for God expresses itself in obedience. Love for God expresses itself in love toward others. Oops. Oh, I get going too fast. And if we obey God, we glorify him. Okay? The message the message is what we're memorizing. The message is how it's God-centered. And why do we say God-centered? Because we want to make sure that it's not man-centered, that we're not telling these people that this is your best life now. That's really not helpful. And that's a man-centered message. And that is the message that is being proclaimed most often is a man-centered message. We want our message to be God-centered. And the way that that occurs is we begin the gospel presentation with God. We begin with God's holiness. And then we talk about uh, man's sinful con- condition. And then the message declares Christ as Savior and Lord. And then the message calls sinners to repent and believe. The method, we evangelize with a transformed lifestyle in a biblical presentation. Our lives have to be different. And it you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, your life is different. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is what? 
a new creation, that old things pass away and behold, new things come. You are different. Maintain a lifestyle of prayer. So important that we pray about our opportunities with the gospel and then we present the gospel with wisdom and innocence. And that we rely on Scripture as the only authority. Why do we only rely on Scripture? It's the Word of God. It's what differentiates us from the other person because what can they share? They only share their opinion. That's all they have. You have the Word of God. So, big difference there. And then, as we went through the gospel presentation, God is holy. Anybody got a verse for God is holy? It's the easiest one. Yeah. What's the, what'd you say? Well, the first one about God um, that we have. Well, let's, let's give you a little help here. Man is guilty. Christ is Savior. Sinners must fruit believe. So God is holy. The first verse is for God is creator and owner of everything. Where do we start there? There we go. That's the one. Right. And 1 John 1, 5, right? Good. Then we go to God is perfectly holy, which is what you guys were giving me, Matthew 548, 1 John 1, 5, right? And then God requires perfect obedience to his law, which is, just give me the first reference there. James 2.10. Then God is holy. Now man is guilty. Uh, he has broken God's law. What's our reference there? Yep, Romans 3.10 and 3.23. How about he will pay the eternal penalty for sin? Yep, Romans 6.23. Cannot save himself by his good works. What's that? Cannot save himself by his good works. Titus 3.5. Then we have Christ the Savior came to earth both as God and sinless man. That is Colossians 2.9. Good. He demonstrated God's love by dying on the cross to pay sin's penalty. Romans 5.8. And 2 Corinthians. Good. He rose from the grave and is alive today. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. Good. Therefore, you must repent of all that dishonors God. What's that one? Anybody this far? Have you gotten this far in the card yet? Nobody? Okay. Then I won't ask. I'll tell you. This is Isaiah 55, 7, and um, Luke 6, or Luke 9, 23. You must believe in Christ as Lord, Romans 10, 9. And then will you repent and believe or will you remain under God's wrath? Acts 17.30. All right, so that's the gospel presentation. And you've got four more weeks to really polish that up. Um, hopefully you're, you're getting close to that last card um, and you're working on that. By the way, before I go any further... Is there anyone else that has finished their interview that hadn't had a chance to tell us about it? I'd love to hear about your interviews. You know, that was that first assignment. Anybody else? All right. Well, then we'll talk about the gospel conversation. So, <clears throat> how do you begin to talk to somebody about the gospel? How do you even start that? 
Um, you know, that's, that, we can learn this presentation and have it cold. But if we really don't know how we're going to start that conversation with somebody, you're going you're gonna to lose it because you're not using it. And so today we're going to talk about how does that occur. And, you know, the first thing that I'm going to tell you that's not in your book, the way it's going to occur is if you are intentional. You have to be intentional. You have to think this out. Now, there'll be some spontaneous opportunities, but you're with people that you're going to see over and over again. Um, My son from Iowa came to visit, and he was bringing a young man with him. They were going to stay at our house for two days. I had thought that I would get to know this fella, and that then I would look for that opportunity, that opening to share the gospel with him that my son was bringing. So the first night they were with us, uh, we didn't get too long, but maybe 30 minutes. I got to meet him and talk to him a little bit. He's 27 years old. Uh, He's married, and his wife's getting ready to have a baby. And he was with my son because they were at Carroll. They're they're football coaches, and they were, uh, my son played at Carroll, and so they were able to go see their operation and learn from it. Well, um, after meeting him, I thought, well, okay, so the next night we'll have a little more time and we'll talk a little bit more and I'll share the gospel with him, right? Well, the next night, their meetings ran long. They came in after being outside all day. They took a shower and went to bed. It's like, what? So now I'm down to one day, right? And I'm only going to see him in the morning. And they said that uh, they had to, uh, leave at 6.45. So I said, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to make them breakfast. And then we'll talk at breakfast, right? So I get up in the morning, I make them eggs and bacon and my son comes out and he goes, he's running late. And I said, well, you, you know, you don't have to be there. Uh, you don't have to leave till 6.45. He says, no, we have to be there at 6.45. And I'm like, what? You know, so um, he says, we'll just take the breakfast and we'll go. Okay, got to go to plan B now, right? Because uh, now I'm down to time. Well, I have a, a book that I like to give away. It's called Right with God. Um, it's uh, a really helpful book that does, it's, it's a little, it's, a, it's like an expanded tract. It's a really good explanation of the gospel. And see, um, I know my son's going to see this guy. He's on the coaching staff with him, right? So, um, so plan B is always in my back pocket. So I asked this young fellow, they're getting ready to go out the door with breakfast in their hand. I go, look, where are you going to church? And he goes, well, I'm not going to church right now. And I said, well, you're about to have a baby. I said, look, let me give you this book. So I ran to my office, I got the book, and I said, read this and then find a church. And then I texted my son. I said, so, you know, look for an opportunity with him and and invite him to church, and he texts me back. I've had several conversations with Mitch. I've invited him to church a couple of different times and invited him to the Bible study that we have with the coaches. And so far, he hadn't responded. I said, Lord's working on him, right? Because that was another exposure. We're just in this continuum of, with people where we're playing our part, right? So I, I wasn't the one that was supposed to share the gospel with him. I was just supposed to be the one that encouraged him along the road. But I think the Lord's working in that young man's life. He put him next to my son. My son's going to continue to uh, engage that man. And now he's been in my house. He's seen our family. That's, to me, that's evangelism, okay? 
That's how I want you thinking of evangelism. It's not just a one-shot. It's being intentional and thinking about how you're going to engage the people that God brings into your life. Be thoughtful. Be intentional. And then be flexible. Because it may not work the way you plan. Okay? But that's the key. So how do you begin launching a conversation about the gospel? Um, you can be trained to do this. Okay? This is not uh, something that always comes naturally. How many of you just love people and it's real easy for you to talk to people all the time? How many? See, there's one. Okay, so that's not hard for them. How many of you? Oh, Summer's good at it too? Good. Some of you guys are. You know, it's, nobody has to help you do this. You like people. You're able to, you know, you're able to connect with people pretty easily. Uh, how many of you, it's really difficult for you to, to extend yourself to people? See, there's a lot of people like that. You know, I think sometimes people go, I'm really not gifted to share the gospel because, you know, I just, I'm kind of shy. So it's not really my job. And it's like, yeah, it is. It is your job. And it is your job to extend yourself and make it the effort because it's not natural for most people. You know, we, if you saw the numbers just then, I could see them from up here. Most of you are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not just second nature, okay? So you have to be intentional. You have to think about this a little bit. Uh, and you're not off the hook. You're not saying, well, good, they're the people, people over here. You share the gospel with my friends, okay? Because you like people. I don't. Well, no, you can't say that. Because we're in First John, and what's one of the tests of being a, a Christian? Yeah, you love people and you love God. Now, the fact that you do love people, but you're not, it's difficult and you're not outgoing, that's okay. But you do love people, okay? Because God's put that in you. And if you're a believer, you do love people, okay? So now, we just need help on how to get connected with people. We need to know how we launch that first conversation. It is an acquired skill, I believe. I think all of us can do better at, you know, being able to greet people, be nice to them, you know, um, be able to come up and meet Matt and David and uh, Chadley. You know, introduce yourself. Get connected. Make, begin to make that part of your life. Um, and it... See that as being a, a skill that you're going to get better at. Because the only requirement is that we love people and we have a desire to glorify God. Okay? All right. So, how do we start? And I always say we start with a caring conversation. Our material says start with a common conversation. I changed our material. The reason I changed it is you can have a common conversation with somebody and be disconnected. Can't you? I mean, have you ever done that with somebody? Yeah, I met him, and I, you walk away, and you couldn't tell me anything about him or their name. And you just had a common conversation with them. Let's be a little more intentional than that. When we talk to people, let's make it a caring conversation. What, what do I mean by a caring conversation? Well... You want to know the person. You know, I go back to Mitch, the guy that stayed in my house. I wanted to know about his family. I wanted him to talk. I wanted him to tell me about, um, you know, what he's doing in his profession as a coach and 
what he's, is that his wife is having a baby and how he's ex- expecting that to work. You want to let them tell you about themselves. And you want to really be listening to them. Okay? So that's... Um, well, I'm giving you just real quick. Here's the, the three bullet points. Uh, so you want to start with a caring conversation. You want to turn the conversation to a spiritual topic. And See, the reason I say you want to turn it, that's not in your book. I'm sorry. This is my add-on here. This is what has to happen. You start with a caring conversation, but it's not going to flow into the gospel. Somebody says, well, won't it just naturally go right? No. No, it doesn't. At some point, this is part of being intentional. At some point, you're going to have to steer the conversation to spiritual. It's the only way it's going to get there. People don't talk to you for five minutes and go, Les, now tell me about the Lord. You're not talking about baseball, and uh, all of a sudden they say, well, Brian, now, what do you think about how do I get to heaven? They're not going to do that, okay? So if you're being intentional from the very beginning of this conversation, you've got to understand that's going to be your role. You're going to turn the conversation to a spiritual topic, and then you're going to present the gospel, okay? Now, this is going to give you the method to that. So we're launching a... Uh, a conversation about the gospel is starting with a caring conversation. That caring conversation begins with learning the unbeliever's name and using it. You know, one of the ways that I'm going to remember Matt's name is after I've learned it, I'm going to say, Matt, we're glad to have you here. I'm going to use his name back. That does two things. It lets Matt know that I know his name. It helps me remember his name. And remembering his name is important to me. Because that does help that person believe you have a genuine, authentic desire to know them. Now, a lot of the people that you're going to share the gospel with, that I'm really hoping you share the gospel with, and that I'm really trying to give you, you know, motivation to share the gospel with, you know their names. You know their names because they're the people closest to you. But I'm talking about people that you may not have had a chance to interact with on a regular basis. So you're going to launch a conversation with them, and it's not quite as easy. So here's the steps you want to do. Learn their name, and then use it. And then listen carefully. And now this is with everyone that you may know. Are you really interested? Do you love them? Are you really interested in them? Then listen to them. Listen to them. Learn about them. I mean, if you really are interested in someone, you're going to learn something about them. And uh, that, that helps them really want to know something about you. Do you know that? Look, if you're not, if you're not listening to somebody or you're, you're not really engaging them, and then all of a sudden you start wanting to talk about something spiritual, well, they've got nothing, no connection with you. You're trying to build a connection here, okay? And you're really interested in them. So you want to you really work on... on Listening to them, learning about them, and even your body language speaks to them. I mean, are you, you know what I mean? You've talked to people like that. You know, you, they're, just, they're, they're enduring. <laughs> they're not connected, right? Don't be one that's just waiting for your turn to speak. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuinely learning about this person and listening to them. Um, 
just maintaining eye contact, resisting distractions, which always come. Um, so, listening carefully. And then asking good questions. I mean, if you're really interested in somebody, you're going to ask them questions like, um, tell me about what you do uh, for work. Or it's, tell me about uh, what your hobbies are. Or, you know, uh, tell me about your children. You know, the, just the things that, that really interest you. And by the way, all of those questions cannot be answered with a yes or no. Because if you ask them, uh, do you like baseball? No. Well, that kind of, kind of short question, short answer. You don't ask questions that can be answered yes or no. If you really want to learn about somebody, you ask them questions that uh, engage them. Um, you know, how did you make that decision? What motivated you to choose this employment? Um, what's troubling you? Why is that so important to you? Just um, the normal questions that have them the opportunity to talk to you and tell you more information than just, do you go to church? No. That's a pretty short conversation. So you want to you be more thoughtful than that. You don't want to ask closed-ended questions, but open questions. You want to draw the people out. You want to learn about them. And you genuinely do. So you ask good questions. And then you wait patiently for an answer. I mean, sometimes we can ask these questions and, and be so in a hurry. We know where we're trying to get to, and we're on, we're on a mission to get there. And we don't really listen, and we don't even wait for an answer. Uh, this is to help you remember to do that. Wait patiently for an answer. Okay? So these are four things, and really, are these four things that need to be in a gospel presentation? No. These are four things on how you love somebody. Really? Right? That's what we're talking about. When you launch a gospel conversation, you're expressing love toward that person. You want it to be a caring conversation. It's not, you know, even when you did your interview, you know, I bet the person that you were speaking with knew that you were genuinely interacting with them, right? You had something that you were trying to accomplish in your interview, filling in your form, but you were connecting with them. So that's how we launch a conversation. Anybody done that recently, by the way? How'd you do it, Tim? I got the second interview from last Thursday. And how'd that go? Yeah. And who was this guy? How did you know him? He's a, a co worker. Yeah. Now you're going to have to see him again, right? Or will you ever see him again? Yeah. So, will you ever have another chance to talk to him about the Lord, or are you done now? Yeah. See, so intentional, be thoughtful. This isn't, for most people, this isn't going to be the one and only time. 
Good. There it is. Wait patiently for an answer. All right. Got that? The next part is once you're in that conversation, this is really the transition point. This is uh, where you, again, now you're going you're gonna to begin to move the conversation to spiritual. You know you're going to do that. And I don't mean to take your eye off the ball when you're genuinely engaging this person, but you know you're now, at some point, you're going to talk to him about the gospel, and the, the way you're going to do that is by beginning to steer the question to a spiritual topic. Um, and you're going to do that by asking a question. You know, this, the curriculum says, this may be a time where you share your testimony. In other words, up to this point, who's done all the talking? The other person, if you're really listening, right? And that's really your goal. You want to learn about the other person. So they've done most of the other talking. And sometimes this presents an opening for you to tell them a little about yourself. And what you, what you want to tell them is not so much about your work or your hobbies. You'd like to tell them about how you came to know the Lord and the impact that it's had on your life and, you know, what is, what, what is your primary motivation in life. I wouldn't say this is always a go-to. Um, it, can, it can also become a distraction. But if, if, it, if it's the right opportunity... Okay. I think more than likely, though, an easier way is to continue learning more about them at this point. And that is, you can ask something like, do you know where you'll spend eternity? Do you know what's going to happen to you after you, after you die? Have you thought about that? Um, you know, it's interesting. I had a young man. He's probably 35. He thought he was really young, you know. I'm a little bit older, and I realize how fast these years go. And I asked him, I said, so if you thought about, you know, where you're going to spend eternity, what's going to happen to you after you die? He goes, nope. I said, well, you want to talk about it now? Because that time could come for you at any point in time. And he goes, I, I don't. I have no interest in even thinking about that issue until I get closer to when I'm going to die. And I said, you realize that you could step off this curb and get hit by a car, and you're going to be in eternity. And he says, not likely. I mean, he's so arrogant. You know, you talk about the, um, the, the parable of the sower. I mean, I'm throwing seed out there, and it's hitting a hard path. It's going nowhere. He didn't want to talk about it. He totally, you know, has sealed that part off because he doesn't even want to think about it. Well, you know what I think? I think you don't want to talk about it because he's convicted of his sin. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to pierce that veil. If he's not going to talk to me, he's not going to talk to me. Most people talk to me. I'd say 90% of the people, if you ask where they're going, they've thought about it. And they'll, they'll talk to you about that. It's not a bad question at all. I like that. The other one is, um, you know, I was talking to a guy uh, and... He told me that he thought when we died, we became dust. I said, really? I said, are you teaching your kids that? That when we die, we're going to become dust? He goes, no, I'm going to let them choose them for themselves. I said, choose what? 
Choose between what? And he said, well, if there's a God or if there's not. And I said, you know, have you considered that question? He said, yeah. I said, have you read the Bible? And he looked at me and he goes, I'm a Jew. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? I, you know, that, that, those two things don't necessarily interact with me, right? And uh, he said, yeah, you know, I've read the Bible. I think it's, it's uh, mainly fables and how to be a good person. And I said, well, you, then you really, um, you, you think it's worthless because it doesn't claim to be teaching you how to be good. By the way, how do you even know what good is? And he goes, well, uh, it's morality. And I said, what do you mean it's morality? What is morality? How do you know what's good and what's bad? And he goes, well, it's, it's the moral law. Where do you get the moral law? From the Bible. He worked himself right back. You know, um, and we did, we did, I had a chance to share the gospel with him. But, you know, his entry into the conversation was with his kids. And when I asked him if he was teaching his kids that they were going to turn into dust when they died, he was, oh, I couldn't be teaching them that. But he, that's what he said he believed. Uh, I don't know. I know God was opening a door there, and I just wanted to be able to go through it. But you can ask them many of these, but I think you need to think about this question. You need to decide ahead of time, what is going to be this question? You know, what does God require of us to get into heaven? Uh, where do you get your information about eternity? Uh, what do you, um, how does someone of your religion get to heaven? You know, that's, if you're talking to somebody and they're a Muslim, then now you've got uh, an entree into a conversation. Because if they say I'm a Muslim, say, so are you going to heaven? And you know what they have to answer if they're a Muslim? They don't know. Why don't they know? They haven't done enough good works. Okay? So, same answer from a Catholic. From a Catholic. Yeah. If they're honest, you know, because sometimes they say, oh, I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven if they're Catholic. But they're, they're not being honest because Catholicism doesn't leave you there, right? Or they don't know their, their doctrine. Um, but that is a great question. But you need to be thoughtful of these kind of questions. This is how you're going to steer the conversation, okay? It's not going to happen. Yeah, Brian? Yeah. So you've acquired a skill, Brian, is really what you're saying. Well, yeah, it's an application. That's the way this applies in my 
right. per se. Right. I, I try to be attentive to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit opens the door and says, here's the good works I prepared for you. Before okay, so I would take what Brian says differently. He says he never looks for an opportunity. I say you're always looking for an opportunity. Well, <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, did you all hear that? For Brian, it comes up in the most natural way. How many of the rest of you does it come up in the most natural way? I mean, for some, it does. But that's an acquired skill. That's what I'm saying. You can, we can get there. Our worldview is different from the world. And every point. Yes. Yeah. Remind me your name. I'm sorry. Andrea. Yes, Andrea. Yeah. Right. And Andrew, I think that is the weakness of, you know, um, what, what we might call uh, street evangelism, is it doesn't allow a genuine, authentic uh, relationship to be the you know, the foundation of a gospel presentation. But the reason we do that is uh, that may provide the, the opportunity that this person hears the gospel. But you're right. I mean, that, you can't get around the fact that you went to the mall to share the gospel. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be part of what that person understands. But you know what? If the Lord's working that, that person's life, the Lord will use you in that. Now, you know, it is similar to what other people are doing in, in the wrong way. But we're not. We're genuinely, you're not trying to get anything from them at the end of the day. And see, that's, that's unique. The multi-level parking person's trying to get in their pocket. You're not. Okay? So they'll get that at the end of the day. Will it be as effective as if you knew that person for years and you were sharing your heart with them and there was a genuine relationship there? I don't think so. But is there a place for it? I do. I, I think there is. Is there an You know, I really do think it's, it's the, the process is identical. Uh, we got a couple that want to help, though. Go ahead. Uh, appreciate everything you said. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, I'm a 
Okay. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay. Preach means to publish, to distribute, and to make known. Mm-hmm. What I'm out to do is cause that person to comprehend substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. And I don't use that term. Right. But that's what I want their brain to understand that. Sure. Right. Don't have their kids with them. Well, I'm sure that's, yeah. And I'll go up to him and I said, excuse me, friend, can I ask you a question? I said, now that's controversial. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But, man, and I'm sure lawyers, people do it. And I asked him this. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Mm-hmm. That cut you right out of the game. Sure. Right, right. So I want to kind of know where they're at, but then. Um, well, she's talking about how you how you find the opening, and what you're saying is, you just hit the opening, yeah. just go. I, you know, at least ninety-five percent of the time, people sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, I, I do it because I love it because you're going to burn in hell, brother. Right. Is that different than how you would approach your brother? See, we're talking two different ways here, right? That's right. So that's what I'm, what I'm talking about is, you know, relationship. Yes. And then what you're talking about is street evangelism. So they're different. Yeah, Brian. Right. And a Samaritan woman came and he asked a probing question. And the question was, Where is your husband? And what ensued from that opening question, that probing question, uh, was transformative not only in the woman's life, but in the culture, the Samaritan culture that she came from. She went back to town and said, Come out to the well. Behold a man who told me all things that I ever did. And that came up in such a natural way. But he did steer the conversation spiritually, right? In his omniscience, he knew what would happen. Right. And the answer came up in the most natural way. That's the thing that I've experienced. Yeah. Every day. But that's the difference between street evangelism and. Uh, just relationship evangelism is you can when you're and you might do that you know when you're at the gospel you may just say can I ask you a question that is the next I'm gonna have to go ahead Jake real quick So that's uh, th- those are good answers. When you're when you're in the when you're in the mall, you're probably not, you know, going to see this person again, right? And uh, you might, but probably not. And so you may want to be much more direct in your question and get right into the gospel presentation. Yeah, and then pray the Lord's working in their life. Uh, so 
we're going to go, I'm going to got to move on. We got, we got a little bit of time here. So we want to pose a probing statement or question. And then, you know, this is a lot of times the transition that you make is if you've asked a probing question about, you know, where do you think you're going to spend eternity or what if you die tonight, where are you going to go? And they, they give you an answer that shows they have no faith. You can just ask, may I tell you what the Bible says? Just a very, you know, uh, kind question to ask permission that you're going to now talk. You're now going to express to them. And in a kind, gentle way, you just want to say, may I share with you what the Bible says about this? May I, may I share with you what Scripture says? And just ask their permission. And sometimes that feels like that, that takes you off the hook a little bit, where you can just now uh, give them the gospel and you've asked their permission. They're, they're going to listen to you for a minute or two, right? So ask permission to ask a direct question. Now the big question. What if they refuse to engage? We'll grab them around the waist, <laughs> hold them very tightly. No. No, there's a point when we walk away. And uh, when to walk away is when they mock the Word of God when they mock you, when they mock the message. Christ said, disciples, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. The point is that when unbelievers made a fully informed decision to reject the gospel and has become hostile, then we move on. Um, you know, you've, you've heard Matthew 7, 6, where it says, we don't want to throw pearls before swine. Um, but we want to wait for the Holy Spirit to soften a hardened heart. And we want to maintain a godly example before them. Um, so, if you, were, if you are in that situation, you don't feel like you need to engage at that point. What you need to feel like is you need to pray. You need to pray for somebody that is rejecting the gospel. That is, you know, the wrath of God is abiding uh, uh, upon them. And, uh, that it may be that what the Lord used you for was that initial softening, right? And that he'll bring other influences into their life, and that's what we want to pray for, that there will be other influences brought into the life of that person that, may, that the Lord may use to bring them to saving faith. Yeah, let the next person show up, yeah. I mean, we don't feel like it's our job to... Convert people. Why don't we feel that way? We can't do it. That's right. What are we trying to be? Faithful, right? We're just trying to be faithful. And let me ask you something. If I came to you, Jimmy, and I said, look, Jimmy, the way you've been living is all wrong. I have a plan that you're supposed to live by, and it's completely different from anything you've ever done. And now I want you to follow this book that I have. And it, how would I feel? James? Okay. <laughs> would you think that that was genuine? You know, that's, that's not normally. It could happen. I mean, I totally trust the Lord can convert a soul like that. But not normally. Normally somebody needs to go home and think about that. They need to investigate it a little bit more. They need to, to uh, know more of what they're committing themselves to. 
than what you just gave them in maybe a 15-minute conversation. And you're telling them that they need to change everything about their life. Like you said, Brian, their whole worldview needs to change based on a 15-minute conversation with me. That's not always going to happen. And that, I think, helps you kind of get a mindset that maybe it happens because somebody else has been preparing that person. Maybe there's been, you know, uh, I, I once got on a plane with a guy and um, it was late. I was tired. He had a pornographic magazine in his hand, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, surely this guy is not going to be sitting anywhere next. He sat down right next to me, and then I went, okay, I'm tired. I know this guy's not going to want to talk about it. I had my Bible with me, so I looked at the fellow. He was in his 20s. I said, look, have you read this book? Took his magazine, turned it away from me, and looked at me, and he said, I've been with my sister for the last week, and all she talks about is that book. And he went and shared the gospel with me. He had learned it from his sister. And he said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You know, I I said maybe five words, and most of them were yes. Because he had given her an accurate gospel presentation, and he remembered it. I was just playing that role, that part, to affirm it and to walk with this young man for an hour and a half. We talked straight for an hour and a half. And the Lord gave me the energy to do that because I was really tired. But, you know, that's just... I mean, those you have to see as divine appointments, right? You can't make that happen. But you have to be faithful. So you have to be prepared to do that. And now, what to do next? What to do next? Well, if they refuse to engage, don't argue with them. That doesn't give a good picture to the world, doesn't give a good picture to the person. And it's not what we're called to do. That doesn't mean that we're not able to, when we're having a conversation about different thoughts, that we're not able to engage in somebody that disagrees with us, but we're not to argue with them. Do you understand the difference with that? One, we can can share what the Bible says, and we can listen to them, and it's not argumentative necessarily. It's just an exchange of information that hasn't become hostile. But if it does become an argumentative, don't argue. That's not what we're called to do. And don't take rejection of the gospel personally. I think I told you last week about the guy that told me to quit sharing the gospel because there was just no response. Well, that's not your job. Your job's just to be available, trained, and faithful. Don't take rejection of the gospel personally. Because who are they rejecting? They're rejecting Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, listen to this verse. Matter of fact, turn to this verse. If you have your Bible with you, turn to this verse. Just kind of... Moving off of what Brian said, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 and 25. Let's read this together. It begins, the Lord's bondservant. Uh, Who's the Lord's bondservant? Raise your hand if you're the Lord's bondservant. Good. I think that's pretty much everybody. Good. Okay, so this is us. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, 
but to be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps we may lead them to repentance. Oh no, it doesn't say that. It says, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe God's going to do that? Because that's really uh, comes across in the way we share the gospel. If we think we can argue them or we can, we can, we can convince them ourselves, then that's the way it's going to come across in our gospel presentation. But if we see ourselves as being ambassadors, if we see ourselves making an appeal on the part that we beg you, that's going to come across our gospel presentation. That we're relying on God to grant them repentance, to give them repentance, that even that is a gift, right? Oh, yeah, we end up taking the credit sometimes too. I've had guys tell me I'm an evangelist. I've saved 122 people and I'm working on number 123 right now. I've had people say that to me. And I'm like, you know what? You haven't saved anybody. That always goes over big. But it's true. I mean, and it really does affect the way we share the gospel. Um, I just think we're, we, don't, we don't have to feel the weight of the world here, guys. We're not the ones that are going to bring this person to repentance. God is. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't answer that as a bold statement. Because, you know, on the day of Pentecost when the apostles were preaching, there were a lot of people coming to faith. 5,000 at one time. Uh, but as a general uh, mode of evangelism, I, I don't see that as being where the, there's mass conversions. I would be somewhat, you know, um, suspicious of, all, of them all becoming believers. Uh, but it, can God work in, in a way in our world to where large numbers of people turn to saving faith, that there's a revival? I think he could. Um, I just don't know how many of those were genuine conversions. Uh, not for me to know, yeah. The idea is that if someone says the sinner's prayer, it does not mean that they're a Christian. Right. So you have no way of Right. Right. It's important in those big evangelistic meetings is that what they say is the gospel. Yeah, not man-centered. A lot of those are man-centered. And everybody wants to have their best life now. Uh, but if they're talking about true belief and repentance... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where we present the gospel with wisdom and with innocence, right? And we just entrust the Lord. We don't make any great claims of how many people we saved, you know, uh, this week uh, on our website. We don't, and the reason we don't is we don't know a man's heart. And uh, so to make that kind of a claim is, is kind of difficult, right? 
Good question. And then I think um, we'd like to end with a warning for those that reject the gospel. Um, you know, even with that young man that told me he didn't want to think about it, I wanted him to know that, look, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that right now, your destination is hell. Now, you can, you can think about that if you want to or not. You can try to wait till you get older. But, and I think he kind of knew that. That's why he didn't really want to talk about it, because he, he didn't want to talk about it, because he knew it would require him to make a commitment to change his life. But I left him with a warning. I like to leave him with this warning, uh, because it's from Scripture. Because most people know John 3.16, right? I mean, almost everybody, unbelievers, know that verse. But how many of them know John 3.36? John 3.36 says, John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But it says, He who does not obey the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And, I, you know, if, if a person truly is, you know, um, having a conversation with you, but they go, you know, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm there yet. Okay. Or, you know, I don't really believe that. I just leave them this verse. I say, well, you know, you, and I do mention John 3.16 because they know that verse. You know, I don't think I've ever run across somebody that doesn't know that verse. But they don't know John 3.36. And I, I bring that to weigh on their, on their soul because that's what it does. It weighs on your soul when you know the wrath of God is abiding on you. There's nobody on the fence, folks. There's nobody that's sitting there, well, I just haven't made a decision yet. Yes, you have. You have made a decision. You are rejecting God if you're on the fence. There is no fence. You either accepted Christ or you have rejected Christ. And if you have rejected Christ, the wrath of God remains on you. So, I don't, I, I see that as being kind warning, right? It's like, you say you want to go 50 miles an hour straight ahead, but I'm just telling you, there's a cliff there. And if you go off it, you're going to die. It goes 400 feet down. It's just kindness, right? Now, they may just keep going, just go sailing off the cliff. But they may just put the brakes on. And maybe that's what happens with this person. Maybe they put the brakes on. And maybe they start to investigate true saving faith. That's our hope. That's our goal. Maybe they receive Christ. Well, let's pray, and then we'll go in our groups. Father, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Father, we thank you that you have given us a purpose. You've given us a mission. You've given us a message. And Lord, we pray that we get out of our comfort zone. Lord, that at uh, times we feel shy, we feel it's a challenge to interact with people, and yet, Lord, if we just are faithful, you're at work in those conversations. You're the one that opens the door. You're the one that convicts of sin. You're the one that grants repentance. Lord, help us to be faithful and help us to be trained. Help us to be motivated to learn these verses so that truly we have credibility in the way that we share the gospel because we're sharing it by the authority of the Word of God. And that that is truly the means by which the gospel is, is presented by each one in this class. Not as our opinion, but Lord, as your word. Father, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.